0: There are 1,300 passages in the Bible that focus on wealth. 1,300 passages in the Bible on wealth. The Bible, however, is virtually silent on debt. At least to the borrower. There's only one half... Of one proverb that even addresses debt and that of the the role of the borrower. And this is what it says. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 7. The second half of the verse says that the borrower is slave to the lender. That's it. Enough said. We don't need to hear any more than that. If we read Proverbs 22 7, which says that the borrower is slave to the lender, how many of you want to be slaves to someone else? Okay, so let me ask this a different way. How many of us would like to be completely out of debt and to know that there is no debt over our head? Just raise your hand if you'd like to be in debt or out of debt, rather completely out of debt and I hear a couple of hallelujahs maybe that's how I need to start every service from here on out how many of you want to be free of debt Who? praise Jesus hallelujah and I would I, I would I would say if you look around almost every hand was up and those hands that were not up are were 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 sleeping um debt Debt. the the, the reality is this, and I knew that going into it, when you ask a question, how many of us want to be out of debt? Every hand would go up, and here's why. Debt is a hope sucker. Are you with me? Simply put, and this is not my words, simply put, debt puts a dollar sign on how much of your future you have spent in your past. Are you with me? And so if we have a debt hanging over our head, it is sucking the hope out of our life because we're thinking, you know what, some of those things that I owe on still, I don't even own anymore. I don't even get to see that car, but I'm still paying on that car, right? Or, you know what, the, the, the joy that I thought I would get out of this possession of mine that I went into debt for... I've lost that joy. I don't see the, the the great enjoyment coming from that. Or perhaps, you know, we can keep going on and on and on. The things that have put us into debt or put Americans into debt these days are not all that wonderful. And so we read here, uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, the... The borrower is slave to the lender. And we say, well, I don't want to be a borrower. I don't want to be enslaved to anybody else. So enough said. That's it. And I say, the Bible is almost silent on debt to the borrower. But it has a lot more to say to the lender. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is debt from the lender's point of view. And then we're going to come back... ...and touch again on what it means to be a borrower... ...to be someone who is in debt. Basically what the Bible says to the lender is... ...that the one whom has been entrusted with money... ...and if you were here last week and you can remember back seven days... ...that's what we talked about. Those that have been entrusted with great earthly treasure... ...which is almost all of us. Raise your hand if you've got some earthly treasure yeah I mean, yeah, that's that's almost all of us. Some of us came in here with no earthly treasure, apparently, and so we'll talk afterwards, and maybe you need a ride home or, or something, but you know, you don't have a home to go to. Yeah, I mean that's that's reality. Some people don't, and so we we should talk about that. But Jesus drives this point home. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18. Jesus drives this point home that those who have been entrusted to earthly possessions, entrusted with some amount of money, are to be, here's the word, merciful. Christians should be some of the most merciful people in the world. Can I get an amen to that? And yet so often, when we examine our lives, we find that we lack... ...a little bit of mercy. Are you with me? So Jesus tells this parable... ...Matthew chapter 18... ...we're going to begin in verse uh, 23... ...today... ...and just kind of walk through this passage... ...this parable of Jesus. He says this... and ...beginning with verse 23... ...find that in your Bible... ...if you're following along on the Bible app today... ...it's outlined there for you... Verse 23, therefore the kingdom of God is like, now I'd say this, anytime Jesus starts a parable like that, we better listen up. Jesus is going to tell us what the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is like. How many of us want to make it to the kingdom of God? How many of you are getting tired of raising your hand this morning? That's all right. We want to make it to the kingdom of heaven. We want to make it to the kingdom of God. And Jesus gives insight throughout his life. He keeps giving these parables and saying, and we read one last week, the kingdom of heaven is like this, the kingdom of God is like this. And so if we want to, we want to make it to heaven, we want to make it to the kingdom, Jesus is trying to prepare us here and now what it is to live a life in his kingdom. Kingdom life can begin right now. Eternity with God can begin right now... ...as long as we walk with Jesus... ...and we do the things that He lays out for us. Therefore, verse 23, Jesus says... ...the kingdom of heaven is like a king... ...who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. This sounds very familiar to what we read last week. The king was dis- distributing wealth to his servants... Verse 24, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents. Let's put this in, uh, in our world view in terms that we can understand. What Jesus is saying here is this first guy he calls into his presence owes him several million dollars. I won't ask for hands of how many people owe several million dollars to somebody. But just put yourself in that role... As if you owe a bank or you owe a lender several million dollars. So he calls him into his presence, the king does. And already there's this emptiness in the, in the, the pit of this man's stomach. You can imagine there's only one reason the king's calling me in there. When I owe him this amount of money. In verse 25, since he was not able to pay, because who carries ...a few million dollars around in their wallet... ...the master ordered that he and his wife... ...and his children and all that he had... ...be sold to repay the debt. Sell your house, sell your car... ...sell everything that you have... ...and see how much money then you can bring to me... ...and if it doesn't cover your debt... ...then we're going to still have to keep working this out. Verse 26, the servant fell on his knees... ...before the king. Be patient with me, he begged... ...and I will pay back everything. I'm going to pay back several million dollars... ...if you just give me a little bit more time. Can you imagine? Right? There's no way you're going to pay this back. He falls on his knees, he begins to beg him... ...have mercy on me. Give me a little bit more time. Be patient, he says, and I will pay back everything. Verse 27, the master's, or the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Not only did he say, you know what, I will be patient with you. I will give you a little bit more time. What's the plan? How are you going to pay this back? What's the repayment schedule that you want to work out? Instead, the king says to him, I will be patient with you, but far more than that, I'm just going to cancel the millions of dollars that you owe me. And I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you walk out free. I mean, that's a burden off of his shoulders. Amen? So he walks out kind of whistling, you know. Goes out into the street. When the servant goes out, verse 28, he found one of his fellow servants who'd owed him a hundred denarii. That's a few dollars. A few measly dollars. He grabs him, and he begins to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. We see this story playing out, don't we? His fellow servant falls to his knees and begs him, be patient with me. I'll pay you back everything that I owe you. I'll pay you back all the dollars that you have lent me. Verse 30, but he refused, this servant did. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. They went and they told their master everything that had happened. Then the master calls the servant back in. No longer owing several million dollars, the servant goes in. You know, light burden on his shoulders. What does he have to worry about any longer? I can stand in the king's presence because I don't owe him a penny. So he walks in there, and he hears this word, these words: "You wicked servant!" Ouch! What kind of a greeting is that, king? You wicked servant, he said, I canceled the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy, there's our word, mercy, on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all That he owed. How much debt, I wonder, do we have hanging over our head? How much, not just financial debt, do we have hanging over our... How much sin debt do we have hanging over our head? And yet Jesus comes into the world and he cancels it all, doesn't he? And get a hallelujah to that? Well, if we can hallelujah, being out of debt, we can hallelujah, Jesus forgiving all of our debt, all of our sin, everything, and saying, you know what, I cancel it all, go walk out of here a free man, a free woman. And Jesus tells this parable to Peter, who, like us, probably thought that he was being surprisingly generous by offering to forgive his. ...brother how many times? Seven times, Peter says. How many times should I forgive my brother? Up to seven times? Maybe 70 times? Jesus gives him this parable and says... ...that's just the start. He says, here's a story about an unmerciful servant... ...and a king who who had forgiven him completely... And yet he goes out and he finds a fellow servant. He chokes him and demands that he pay back every penny that is owed. And Jesus says to Peter in verse 35... ...this is how my heavenly father... ...this is how your heavenly father will treat you... ...unless you forgive from your heart. Ouch. Jesus' teaching here echoes... ...many other encounters that people had with him. Turn to Luke chapter 7. Just a few pages. Mark and Luke. Luke chapter 7. And this is a very real account of what happened to Jesus one day. Matthew, or I'm sorry, Luke 7 verse 36. When a Pharisee who is a teacher of the law, a leader in the synagogue, he says to Jesus, I want you to come over to my house and have dinner with me and my friends. Luke 7, 36. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclines at the table when a woman who had... ...lived a sinful life in that town... ...learned that Jesus was at the Pharisee's house... ...nothing was going to stop her... ...from seeing Jesus. But not just seeing Jesus... ...she brings an alabaster jar of perfume... ...and she stood behind him... ...at his feet, weeping. She begins to wet his feet with her tears and she wipes him with her hair. She kissed them and she poured perfume on them. Are you getting this picture? Jesus eats the the meal and he kind of leans back on his elbows and he begins to recline there in front of all the other guests and then this woman presents herself. She comes up behind Jesus and simply being in his presence, she begins to weep. She pours this perfume on his feet, wets his feet with her tears, and then she uses her hair to dry his feet off, to wipe his, his feet clean. This is, a, this is a very visual for us this morning. And this Pharisee, who had invited Jesus he saw this and he says to himself very judgmentally very callously if this man this Jesus who i invited into my home if this man were a prophet he would know who's touching him what kind of a woman she is but she's a sinner Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Notice that this Pharisee, Simon, he didn't say a word to Jesus. He thinks these things in his mind. You ever think something negative about somebody else? Now, I do it all the time. Sometimes I'm standing right here. No. And that's what Simon did, right? He looks at Jesus and at that moment he not only judges this woman, this sinner... ...this woman who has a past, who does not belong in Jesus' presence... ...he not only judges the woman, he judges Jesus himself. If that man were truly a prophet, he would know what kind of a wretched, dirty, sinful woman... ...is in his presence, who he's allowing to touch him and to anoint his feet that cannot be a prophet because she is a sinful woman so jesus answered him simon i have something to tell you jesus ever corner you say i have something to tell you i got something to set straight tell me teacher he says <laughs> two men owed money to a certain money lender One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon, I love his answer. I suppose Jesus, now there's no supposing about it, it will be the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said, verse 44. Then he turns toward the woman, Jesus does, and he says to Simon, turning toward the woman, saying to Simon, do you see this woman? Well, of course you see this woman. You've already judged her. You see her. She's there. I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. The dirtiest part. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore... I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, not because of the action that she has taken, but because she has loved much. And then Jesus says this, but he who has been forgiven little also loves very little. The one who has been forgiven very little, loves very little. I would confess to you, my church, that there are times when I lack mercy. I lack compassion. I lack forgiveness. I lack love. And I don't just confess that to you, I confess that to Jesus. There are things in my life that sometimes blind me to forgiving someone else. The anger builds up, this this arrogance builds up within me, and I think, well, how dare they do that to me? Are you with me? And then Jesus pulls me aside and says, Adam, I have something to tell you. Tell me, Jesus, we're in a good relationship. I mean, come on, tell me. You see that person over there? They love me deeply. They're broken. They're hurting. You don't know what's in their past, but I do. I can tell you, you need to forgive that person. You need to love that person. You need to look at the example of their love for me. Maybe you need to check your life right now are you with me the one who has been forgiven little loves little see i don't think it's a matter of well i get blinded and i start to judge other people or i lack love and i lack mercy and i lack forgiveness i think it is sometimes i get blinded and i forget just how much jesus has forgiven me from And I think we're all guilty of that at different points in our life. We forget just how much Jesus has forgiven us of. And there are times that we need to check our lives. We need to go back to the throne of Jesus and his throne of mercy and his throne of grace and see his love with fresh eyes once again and realize, Jesus, you called me not only have you called me out of this life of sin, you've canceled my debt, you've wiped it all clean, and you said walk out in freedom. We celebrate that. We come together as a church and we celebrate that. But I think sometimes we're guilty of walking out of these doors is, as, as free men and women walking with Jesus. And we see someone who has a debt owed to us. Something that we think they need to approach me. They need to repent. They need to apologize to me. And they haven't done that yet. So I'm still going to hold on to their, their debt. I'm going to choke them until they repay it. And I'm going to demand that they give it back in full to me. And I think at those times, our Heavenly Father wants to call us back into His presence and say, How dare you hold that debt above their head? The one who has been forgiven little loves little. But the one who has been forgiven much loves little. ...very much. What have you been forgiven of? What debt has Jesus cancelled... ...and said walk out in freedom... ...face the world without a burden on your shoulders... ...knowing that there is nothing I hold above you... ...knowing that you are perfect and righteous... ...and redeemed in Jesus Christ. And he says I've cancelled it all. That's the point of the cross. And then Jesus says, walk out in freedom. What have you been forgiving, forgiven of? And I think the second question is, how are you forgiving? How are you showing mercy? How are you loving those that Jesus brings into your life? So the first step for us this morning is to remember all that Jesus has forgiven us of. Remember, examine your life and remember... Jesus has called you, not only called you out of a life of sin, he has called you into a life of freedom, where there is no more burden over your shoulders. And I say it again, Christians, that is followers of Jesus, his church that bears his name, that is empowered by his spirit, we should be some of the most loving, some of the most merciful, some of the most forgiving people in the world today. See, we're talking about finances and Jesus' financial advice. This is financial advice, but also forgiveness advice. And both are debt that is owed to us that we have the choice to make. Every moment of the day, we have the choice to, be make, to, to, to make. Will I forgive? Will I love? Will I show mercy just as Jesus has loved and forgiven and shown mercy to me? Or will I hold it over somebody's head? Will I see them on the street and demand that they pay me back and and just continue to hold on to this? Christians, the church, in Jesus, should be some of the most loving, merciful, forgiving people in the world today. Amen? And so I... Let to close, just by considering this simple question: What debt is God calling you to forgive right now? What debt is Jesus calling you to forgive right now? Father, we come before your throne of grace and mercy, because we need help. If we're honest before you, Jesus, we would admit that we all have blinders in our life. Things, Lord Jesus, that keep us, Lord, from seeing people. That keep us, Lord Jesus, from fully loving. That keep us, Jesus, from fully forgiving. That keep us, Jesus, from showing the mercy that you have first shown to us. Lord God, I pray today that you would open our eyes, fix us, Jesus, again, on your throne of grace and mercy. Teach us, Jesus. As we pray today, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord God, reveal your presence to us. ...in such an awesome, powerful way... ...Lord God, that we would not only know you and see you, Lord, at this moment... ...but Jesus, that when we leave this place... ...that when we go back to our places of employment... ...or we are, are confronted, Lord... ...in various situations, Jesus... ...that we would exude love and mercy and forgiveness... Holy Spirit, do a new work in our lives, do a new work in our hearts. And we will thank you and we will praise you for all that you continue to do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together this morning, friends.